Ileana Villanueva was murdered on June 12, 2017, and this is her sister's story. Mourning the Murdered is a podcast I created because in 1999, I know someone that was murdered. My name is Kelly, and I am your host. Murder causes confusion and fear in communities. It certainly did for me. But you know what? I can't even begin to imagine the effect it has on families, on loved ones, on children. The sadness. The loss. I wanted to create a podcast that would give a voice to loved ones of murdered victims. Mourning the Murdered is that podcast and is created in remembrance of our victims. You will never be forgotten. The opinions expressed on Mourning the Murdered are not necessarily those of the host, producer, or its broadcasters. Sensitive topics will be discussed and are not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Mexico City has a huge population. Right around 8.5 million people in the city proper and 21 million people in the greater Mexico City area. Explosive growth in the population took place in the 60s. In 1968, they hosted the 68 Olympics, bringing much excitement to the city. And in 69, their metro system was up and running. With poverty in the outlying areas, people moved to Mexico City in droves, hoping to find jobs. In 20 years, their population more than doubled. Greater Mexico City had a gross domestic product of 411 billion in 2011, making it one of the most productive urban areas in the world. Mexico City is the capital of Mexico and holds the title of the oldest capital city in the Americas. Being in a valley, it is surrounded by mountains with heights of over 5,000 meters or 16,000 feet. When the water flows down from the mountains, Mexico City is prone to flooding because of their lack of natural drainage. They have very warm temperatures as they have a tropical location. Their lowest ever recorded temperature was minus four degrees. In the 90s, they were known as being one of the most polluted cities in the world. After working hard on this and really making an effort, they are now seen as one of the models for actually lowering their pollution levels. Hello. Hi, Monica. Yeah. Hi, it's Kelly calling from Morning the Murdered podcast. Hi, Kelly. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing today? Well, I have my days. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's uh, bad. On October 16th, 1973, in Mexico City, Ileana Villanueva was born much to the delight of big sister Monica. 
Monica always wanted a baby sister and she couldn't wait for her mum to give birth. She anxiously awaited the news of the baby's arrival and couldn't believe her luck when she found out the baby was a girl, her much anticipated sister. Tell yeah. me about when Ileana was born and brought home. How old were you and do you remember that day? I was four years old. I don't remember exactly, but you know, the things, the few things that I remember is uh, I just wanted to squeeze her, to, to hold her. But you know, my parents were, sometimes, you know, when I was younger, I, I was a little rough. So my parents had to uh, just to supervise you know, my interactions with my sister. But you yeah. loved her right from the first day you loved her. I did. I was proud that I was the oldest sister. And yeah, that's I, really nice. I had a sister for life. I could play with and, and talk with and have secrets with. And yeah. growing up, what did you two do together to share time and spend time together? We used to argue a lot because uh, my sister was more, always more reserved. You know, she would she would have a high critical thinking, on, and I'm not. And you know, she she also was very careful with what she did. Uh, so to make decisions, she would think it twice or three times. And for me, it was a matter of okay, let's do it together right now, like this moment. And my sister didn't like that like about me but and you know we used to argue about that but other than that you know I always felt that I had the need to protect her to defend her I remember one day my sister was eight years old and I was 12 years old and some children you know they were bullying her and one of the boys kicked her on her knee and she started to cry oh you don't know what happened to that boy. I <laughs> I really hurt him. I ripped his sweater and I punched him on the face. Even though they were taller than than us, you know, they were crying. <laughs> and they went to talk to <laughs> they told their mother. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you were really yeah. defending your little sister there. <laughs> always. Always. Yeah. And did you get in trouble that day? Well, my mom came out of the house and because my sister was like was she was in pain and and she was crying and she said what happened what happened and I said oh those those kids were bullying my sister and one of them might kick him and then you know the, their mother came and talked to my mom and uh, but you know what and then they argue because they say well they are boys and they are older well a little older than me but also taller right and my mom told them that how it was possible that they were <laughs> trying to, well, hit a little eight-year-old girl. So, but you know what, they were looking, I remember they were looking at me and they were like scared. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you know, I felt good. Like my, mo my mom told me, oh yeah, you don't, you don't do that ever again. But you know, I felt good. I didn't regret it. <laughs> And when yeah. Ileana was in high school, what kind of a, of a teenager was she? My sister was a little bit more reserved than me, and she was she didn't have as many friends as like I I was because well I was I was just like a tomboy and but you know she had uh, she was really really she did 
really good at high school and um, oh she was so lucky with guys <laughs> so <laughs> opposite like the I you know guys never not many guys really looked at me but you know she yeah my sister was beautiful they always she was always you know many guys would be just chasing her <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yeah, yeah. your uh, yeah. parents must not have liked that very much <laughs> well, my dad, you know, he he didn't he didn't like that. Um, everybody was just calling Ileana and just going there at at home and and looking for Ileana. And you know what? Like in Mexico, when well, I don't know now, but in in the old time, when a guy wanted to court a girl. You know, they will take, you, you know what mariachis is? Like mariachis is a music, It's a right? band, like a, like a mariachi. Like, yes, the mariachi band. I've heard of that. It's lovely music, yes. Yeah, it's like a romantic. And also they were um, all um, the time that my sister was growing and during her teenagers and even on her adulthood life, uh, you know, she, many, many guys were just there like, uh, you know, oh, Ileana. Mm. Ileana and mariachis all the time on the, you know, on the balcony. <laughs> she will open the door of her balcony and then she will say, okay, get out of here. Oh, <laughs> my, my goodness. Uh, my mom was happy, but my dad wasn't very happy. <laughs> so the boys would yeah. actually send a mariachi band to play outside of your balcony and serenade your sister? Yeah. Oh, even, my goodness. You know, something funny one day <laughs> because I had my, my bedroom right beside my sister's and I have a balcony too. They went to the wrong balcony and I thought, oh my God, someone brought me some mariachis. And, and they say, Ileana? I said, uh, no, that's the other balcony. You have to <laughs> Did Ileana always live in Mexico? Yes. Yeah, she she was with my parents and then, and eventually, and then, you know, when, when she was working and she was independent, she, she got her own beautiful condo and then you know she was she was living there as the sisters grew monica was already planning out what they would do together as sisters forever how they would spend their lives always being there for each other how they would spend their lives sharing secrets with each other how they would spend their lives Although they had the typical sibling rivalry as youngsters, arguing over trivial things and not agreeing on everything, they had that close bond that siblings have as well, understanding the nuances of the family life, laughing about things that only they would get. As they got older, they were planning to perhaps live together in the future. Their parents were very encouraging of the two daughters whom they loved so much. Their father always told them to get an education and never have to be dependent on a man and that you should choose your man, not have him choose you. That was advice they heard throughout their entire lives. As per Monica, that was very forward thinking in the Latino culture. Monica and Ileana always spoke their minds to each other, which meant that they may not have always seen eye to eye, but their love for each other was unquestioning, deep, and real. 
unconditional. They were family. They were sisters. Tragically, on June 12, 2017, Ileana was murdered. An educated, independent woman. A woman who worked hard, earning enough money and saving up. She went ahead and bought herself a condo. Ileana was an organized, logical, intelligent, critical thinker. That was her personality from the time she was a young girl, through her teen years, into adulthood. Ileana was a chartered accountant. She was well-respected at work and in her community. This beautiful, loving family woman began a relationship with a man who knew how good he had it. Here he walked into a relationship with nothing. He began to live an amazing life, living it up with Ileana in her beautiful condo, spending her hard-earned money. It started out with him trying to start a business and then another and another. They were always falling through, but he wasn't that worried because it was Ileana's money that was being invested into his businesses. She had faith in him. She loved him. She had the money, so she tried to help him, but he kept failing. And eventually, he just decided to not bother trying anymore. So he sat at home while Ileana continued to work hard every day. And he was a manipulator. He was an abuser. This is the story of Ileana Villanueva's murder. Tell me about the sad day that you found out that your sister had been murdered. Oh, I will never forget it. That was uh, June 12, 2017. I finished work and then I, I went to get some groceries and then I came back and I saw a lot of different phone calls and text messages and I said, what, like, they said, oh, Monica, please, are you Ileana's sister? And you have to understand I don't, well, my parents passed away. It was only my sister and I. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry. My dad that. passed away in 2011. Uh, my mom passed away in 2013. Both of them unexpectedly. And still where we were grieving them. My sister, at the time when she was in Mexico City, she, she was living with her, um, with her partner of eight years. And... I, I never liked him. I never got along with him. I thought he was just um, an idiot, and I, uh, I'm very vain and and hypocrite, like a liar. I don't know. I don't know. And I told my sister, like my sister said, "Well, you, you think that about many guys?" I said, "No, I don't like that guy. He's, I think he's mean." So and my and my sister supported him and loved him so much, and you know she. She helped him a lot. But, you know, like, I was in touch with my sister, but, you know, I, I really, I wasn't in touch with him. So that day when I came, finally one of my sister's friends called me, and 
I'm so sorry. That's okay, they, of course. Don't even know. Oh, my said, goodness. Said, you know, my first name is Sandra, but, you know, I don't I don't like it, so they, they call me Sandy mm. in Mexico. And they say, Sandy, I, oh, my God, I, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I said, what, what happened? And you know what she said? There was a... There was um, a robbery in your sister's. It, it was a penthouse, what she had. And there was a robbery, and she was murdered. <laughs> and I said, no, there was no, there was not such a thing. Ileana's loving sister, Monica, was living over 4,000 kilometers away. And she hears this devastating news. She had spoken to her sister before about what she believed was an abusive relationship, but her sister downplayed it, leaving Monica to believe that she was okay. Ileana didn't want to worry her, but she did do many things in Mexico City to help herself. She went to the police several times, and she hired herself a lawyer. She and her partner of eight years broke up. Ileana telling him that she was through with him and that he had to move out. She was standing up for herself and wasn't going to be treated badly anymore. Being taken advantage of financially, being abused physically and emotionally, being cheated on, by this unfaithful simpleton, this assailant. But he refused to move out. He just wouldn't leave. For four years, Ileana went to the police begging for help. She told them what was happening and that she needed their assistance. She was being abused and she needed their help to get her ex-partner out of her condo, her penthouse. He never contributed anything to it. All of the condo documents were solely in Ileana's name. She had purchased it before meeting him, but the police didn't do anything to help her. On the 12th, June the 12th, it's going to be three years. Oh my goodness. And I can tell you so many things about that disgusting government. I hate them. Oh. You know, her partner, and I can tell you his disgusting name is Quauhtémoc. And you know, she murdered her. Oh. My sister, you know, my sister had told me that she she broke up with him. She had broken up with him on 2000 and 2014. Uh, my sister had had that penthouse, and and you know what? He didn't. She tried to kick him out of the house. She she went to the police in different times. She even hired a lawyer. And you know what? So they are so useless in Mexico. You know. So but you know what? My sister didn't tell me some. Something because she know that I will I will worry and you know what and I know that you know she she was having a lot of problems. This guy was threatening her because you know he he wanted her to 
to give him half of the of the penthouse. And you know what? My sister had that penthouse. She bought it with her own money and her own effort before this this disgusting piece of garbage moved with her. We we went with her so many times to to see different con- condominiums and everything. And my sister fell in love. She fell in love with this a very a very nice area, kind of all. Um, Condom, like it was like a a penthouse, but you know she completely renovated and it was so beautiful. My sister had a a good job and you know she like she liked to live comfortable, and, you know, and she lived there before Guatemoc moved. He Guatemoc hired a hitman, so they they pretended that there was a robbery. My, and my sister was in another relationship already like you know she moved on with this guy even though he was still living there and you know she as I told you she hired a lawyer she, they were trying to throw him up and Guatemoc forged my sister's signature and for uh, for the total of the value of the penthouse and, and he said that it was his but when my sister demonstrated that it was uh, because my sister was uh, left-handed, obviously the signature wasn't the same. So when the lawyer and the, um, the authorities discovered that this that Guatemala was a fraud, they were going to throw him out, and, and that's why you know he he hired out a hitman, and you know what he gave him the keys of my sister's dead house and, and you know he he put a mask and he's gone you know he had a, a you know a silencer mm-hmm. and uh, my sister was in, in sleeping with uh, with Gabriel uh, she, he was um, my sister's boyfriend for one year and uh, you know what he they woke up and they got scared and, and he this guy said okay this is a robbery and Ileana said please please don't 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 hurt us just take whatever you want here's my wallet and and then you know he this guy shot Gabriel on the stomach twice and Gabriel fell on the floor but you know he didn't die but he was he was conscious about what happened and this guy <laughs> jumped on my sister's bed and you know that oh, my sister said please 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 don't kill me your and sister you know must have been so terrified oh my she, goodness she shot her four times in the stomach Gabriel survived you know he he was able to after this guy uh shot my sister death. he talked to both of them and he said okay what you what you asked me to do is done and so I just need you to give me the other part of the money and they were talking on the on the hall like on the hall and, and Gabriel moved like a big like I don't know how he was, had you know the, the strength to move like a big um like a like a dresser against the, the the door and lock the door, 
And then he went to the balcony and said, please help, help. You know, he, you know, he said, Wauhtemuk, hire a hitman. And so someone called the police. The police came, but you know, the, the hitman ran away and Wauhtemuk was on his way down to run away and he was stopped. And okay, then, so sorry, just so I understand. So your sister's ex-boyfriend hired a hitman who wore a yes. mask and broke in and did horrific things to your sister and her present yes. boyfriend, Gabrielle. But Gabrielle yes. was able to push a dresser in front of the door and go on the balcony and ask yes. for help. And then yes. when the police came, the hitman had already ran away, but her ex-boyfriend was coming down and they caught him. Is that right? The time they got there, my sister was... She, she was gone. And thus began the nightmare that poor Monica had to live through. Her parents were both deceased, and she was still grieving their recent and unexpected deaths. And now her sister's murder, which completely shook her world, and the corruption she had to deal with. Lawyers and police asking for more and more money, for bribes. And Monica just didn't have any more money to pay. That I want, that I want to tell you, it doesn't stop there. Because when I was flying to Mexico, I, I knew that they had Cuauhtémoc in, 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 you know, he was detained and he was in jail. But then the next day when I arrived, I had I had to go with my, well, I have a godfather and his wife, my, my godmother. We went to, to there because I needed to have to state my declaration and, and recognize Gautemuk. And you know, I saw him, I saw Gautemuk. And he looked at me and he was just looking down on us. And I was so mad and said, you son of a bitch I said look at me look at me he wasn't he wasn't looking at me I, I went so close to him but that you know they were he was surrounded by police and they they kind of covered him and I couldn't t tell him but I said you know I promised you Potomac you were going to die you're going to pay for this and and then he said oh are you threatening me I said oh no I'm, that's a promise sooner or later and you know what and then the the judge said that he was going to you know to like I was going to be charged because you know I was I was threatening him I said go ahead go ahead but you know I was furious because the investigation supposedly has to be 48 hours and the investigation took 49 hours and because of that you know the the disgusting cor corrupt judge said, "Yeah, well, we violated quote Demok's right, so therefore he he's going to go free." And I said, "Are you insane?" I said, "You violated his rights." I said, "What about the the rights of my sister? He violated her right to continue living." I said, "He violated her right for for her." You know, to see me, he violated the right for me to have my sister and to get older with my sister. She was my only family that I had left. Sorry, because they investigated for one hour longer than they yes. should have, they released yeah. him without charge? Yeah, <gasps> and later on, 
you know, he gave his lawyers, like, he had four lawyers, and the disgusting judge, he gave them one million pesos. <laughs> one million pesos is equal to just over $58,000 Canadian. I told the judge, you, all of you, all of you are disgusting. And I said, I am a Canadian citizen. I said, and I'm going to tell every single Canadian that I know, do not come to Mexico. Because if something happened to them, you will care before, you know, for money, before justice. And he said, Monique, it's just like, you know, here we have different rules. I said, your law is the bribe. The, you know, to be the bribing law. Your law is the corruption law. I said, you know what? And, and instead of really protecting, you know, the, the victims, like, you know, he killed my sister. He planned everything. I spent four months in Mexico trying to get justice for my sister. You know, the lawyers, they told me straight in my face, they told me, if you have money, you will get justice. And you know what, believe me, I, I, I gave them everything that they, that they asked. I hired supposedly a, a lawyer who was from a, from a good firm. And you know what, in the end, she took away my money and then she, she, took my all the documents from my, my that, that I you know the original documents from my my sister's penthouse and then you know he was telling me if you don't pay me more or you don't give me this you know I'm not going to give you the papers like you know it was it, everything got more complicated and I'm just telling you I, I just hate and I'm so disappointed and I'm so hopeless already with Mexico with the Mexican authorities I hadn't even been able to get my sister's body and to to be able to to cremate it and to bring in her ashes with me I, I haven't even been able to do that and how come they haven't released her body to you <laughs> you know they they told me because it was a, a murder there <laughs> Uh, a homicide, you know, they they told they told me we we cannot let you cremate the body because we're go- going to be doing the investigation. And after I went with so many people, you know, they realized that I that you know that I was right. And then I had to go. I was interviewed by some I don't know some some authorities in Mexico, and you know they they took that. Um, the news of my sister and on her homicide, and you know what? Then, like some some of the investigators, they started trying to help me. Oh yes, we're going to find him. We're going to do this. But you know what? It's been like that. It's been three years. Now there's a new a new president who supposedly said, "Oh yes, we're going to get justice for all." of the families whose uh, mothers, sisters, aunties, grandmothers have been assassinated. Word of mouth is such a powerful tool that if you could tell everyone you know about mourning the murdered, that would be so helpful to us and we would really appreciate it. 
You can let them know that we can be found on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and iHeartRadio. So be sure to download each episode and don't forget to like us on Facebook. This will really help us get more exposure. Thanks so much. And don't forget, tell a friend. I would really like for this podcast to drop weekly so as many loved ones' voices can be heard as possible. Morning the Murdered have both Patreon and PayPal accounts. If you would be able to contribute to help us to keep the show going, we would greatly appreciate it and thank you in advance. You would get a shout-out on a future episode, and we would mail you a thank-you card signed by me. You can find us at Patreon, or for PayPal, send to morningthemurdered at gmail.com. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-T-A-G-M-U-R-D-E-R-E-D at gmail.com. Thank you for your generosity, and now back to the show. It is so heart-wrenching to hear this poor sister's struggles. It makes you want to help her fight this corruption. She has had to battle every step of the way. The laws being different there also make things a challenge. I can't even imagine trying to fight with authorities from elsewhere. You are already struggling simply to get through each day. Her sister was murdered. And then all of this? Three years have gone by and Monica still can't even get her sister's body cremated so she can have her place somewhere where she would be able to rest in peace. So terribly sad and distressing. The Secretariat of Public Security of Mexico City manages a combined force of over 90,000 officers. They have one of the highest police officer to citizen ratios, being one officer per 100 citizens. This next is a disturbing statistic. A city government report shows that two out of three women aged 15 and over will experience some sort of violent act. Two out of three! Violence against women is on the rise in Mexico City. And when it comes to their murder and kidnappings, many go undetected due to the corruption in the police department. So there are not even accurate statistics on those. This just shows that the corruption is absolutely horrible in this city. Criminals being able to pay their way out of charges, leaving families devastated. Dreadful. If you watch the news, you know, every day, it's around like 30 women in the whole country are, are murdered. And mostly through domestic violence, you think? Yes, many of them are their parents or people who know the victim. Oh my And you know what, like there are so many, like many people are just just so tired of that. You know, that's what, you know, I can tell you, do not go to Mexico. I, I, I just can't emphasize it. And if something happens to a Canadian there, oh my goodness, all it's going to take is for the, for the bad guy to pay off the police and nothing's going to be done about it. You know, it's, uh, it's terrible that, you know, that 
you are trusting the police and that they are going to be able to to protect you to provide you the service that they always protect and serve and you know what is you are scared of the police you know they are the the first ones who are asking you the investigators that supposedly was going to help me he told me monica you know what we have to give some of these police who supposedly are are well following this guy so just to see where he's staying and where he's going we have to give them some money you guys how is it possible that you have never been able to find him how is possible and and they won't you know until you give them i don't know 100 it's uh the equivalent around like 50,000 no sorry like 30,000 Canadian dollars like they they won't do anything if you don't give them a, a, good, a good amount I, I haven't even been able to go into her penthouse the penthouse is right now is, is closed I haven't been able you know the authorities haven't even let me go there I haven't been able to do anything, anything. You know, I just wanted to rescue my my family's pictures. Yes, and I for couldn't sure. do that. Nothing. And why is it that you can't go into the penthouse? Because it's complicated that he forged the signature. But for that, there are some other cratic, stupid things that you have to sign and you have to do. And you know, because I'm not there and I'm here. People, people don't care. Oh he God. wants to sell that penthouse. And how do I know this? See, because I'm, I'm telling you, my this friend Leonardo and uh, my godfather Mario, they have been working with that, and still they was they were working, kind of trying to see how can we solve that situation. But you know now, well, this COVID happened, and then, but but still, you know, I told them I I lost. I'm completely, I lost my hope. I lost my faith in people. I lost, I, I, I can tell you, you know, in English is, you know, I hate Mexico. I hate the authorities. I loathe them. I despise them because my sister was trying to, she tried to reach out to the police. Please help me with this guy to kick him out. And then, you know, they, they, didn't do a thing. They didn't do anything to protect her, and they haven't helped me at all to to have justice for my sister. I feel so <laughs> horrible at the fact that she reached out to the police for help to get yeah. them to get that guy out of there, and they did nothing to stop the abuse. And then it turned into tragedy where he murder he gets someone to murder her. I'm so so sad for you. That is really really terrible. One one day she she told me that she called the police and they went, and this guy locked himself in a room and they said, well yeah this is the very private area of the house we cannot go. And my sister said, are you kidding me? You know he hit me. He hit me, and he, uh, I know my sister told me that, you know, he had just got a bucket with water and throw it at her, but he hit her. And my sister said that, you know, he hit me, he did this, he did that, and I said, well, sorry, sorry, we have to go. And so, you know, she did this, like, she told me I did, like, 
I called the police like four or five times and they never did anything. And the lawyers just, they were just charging her and they didn't do a thing. I'm, I'm very sorry yeah. for this tragic case. It really is a very, uh, you know, domestic violence is a terrible thing. It really is, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's something that a lot of women deal with and I know that uh, it's it's a horrible situation for for women and men that are abused as well everywhere. And in this case, I mean, my goodness, the fact that she went to the police, she did all the right things. She went to the police to try to get help. She sought out a lawyer to try to get help and it didn't work. And this, you know, ex-boyfriend of hers who was a horrible person went ahead and, you know, decided to take the law into his own hands and it, it's just so sad and then yeah. the fact that that he doesn't even go to jail because of one hour i mean come on come on government of mexico let's you know get it together and don't uh, this is it's just so sad and horrible yeah. i'm outraged by it really i mean it's i find it outrageous that that this could happen in 2017 yeah, and you know, like me myself, many years ago when I I moved to Canada because I I was a student, and then I met a guy and we got married. And yeah, I was in a domestic violence situation, but you know, I I learned here in Canada that I have rights as a woman, and and I have the right to be treated with dignity and with respect. And you know what? I got divorced, and he was church because the last time he, well, he beat me up hard. So he was charged, and then you don't have those worries here because you know that you trust the police, you know that you trust everything that you learn, and there are so many people who who help you. But in Mexico, it's not like that. They, they don't, they just don't, uh, women there are not as protected as, as here in Canada. You know, you, you have to get surrounded by people who, I don't know, who you trust, so they can guide you because in my case my my godfather and I started by ourselves and well my godfather has the best intention but this is totally new to him uh, and then Leonardo my my sister's best friend he has tried but it's like you are fighting with the whole corruption in the country and sometimes it's you say well I I'm I'm not going to change this I'm going to continue fighting, but you know I have to be also aware that it's it's, it's a, I'm fighting against corruption. I'm fighting against a, something that is encrypted in the country for long, for so many years. As Monica went on trying to get through her days, Monica's godfather and a close friend of Ileana's named Leonardo were living in Mexico City doing some investigations they found out many things and would report back to Monica, trying to help her to get the answers that the police would not get for her or give to her. Let me tell you, he is married. I didn't know that. My, when, when, my, when he met my sister, my sister was a chartered accountant. She, a chartered public accountant. And she, she met this guy. Uh, she used to be in a company it's called in Mexico it's Price Waterhouse and it's a good company to work for. I've heard of that company so she was very successful no wonder that she had her own condo she yeah. had a great job and worked for a great company 
Yeah, and you know what? She, uh, this this um, this friend uh, that didn't believe me, he tried to do everything. He di- he didn't even ask me for any single amount of money. He said, Monica, I will help you because your sister was like my sister, my only sister. <laughs> and he, he, he and my godfather were trying to help me. And, you know, they, they learned that they actually, quote, was married. Like, you know, when he met my sister. Do you know if the, if the assassin was friends with her ex-boyfriend that, that hired him? Or how did that happen? Do you know the story of how he hired this guy or no? Uh, you know, we, like, we, my godfather and Leonardo and I, because remember when Gabriel was shot and, and he, he made his declaration, he declared what happened. He thought, he, he believes that the hitman was someone who Cuauhtémoc knows. And Cuauhtémoc hire this guy. I mean, you know what? There are so many hitmen in Mexico. You can just pay them $1,000 and they kill whoever you want to. Oh my it's goodness. Like a, it's like a, you are renting. If you read in the news, if you read even, if you Google like hitman or hitmen in Mexico, you, you will see there are so many, so many people that, you know, they, they say, okay, give me $1,000 and, and I will kill whoever you want to. It's absolutely horrible it's, a, it's an aberration you guys know where this guy is but you know because I don't I don't have any money now to give you you're not going to do that I said, I said you know what shame on you I have killed him so many times in my dreams or in my nightmares but I that's that's all I can do a few months after my sister's mother he uh, he was asking some of my sister's friends, and I said friends in between quotation marks, because one of them called me and said, Monica, Quotemoc is asking what part of Canada do you live? And what, I said, okay, yeah, let him, let him come. But you know, obviously I I never talked to him. He doesn't know where I am. Oh, thank goodness. What challenges Monica had to go through trying to find out any information about what happened to her sister, to Ileana. Her ex-boyfriend paying someone to kill her? Him being at the scene, knowing that Ileana was going to be murdered and therefore couldn't identify him? Being cold and calculated enough to actually be present and stand there talking not being worried about anybody hearing his voice. He didn't need to be. He was just watching, waiting for the woman he once loved to be gunned down in cold blood. How much of a monster do you have to be to do that? For Monica to learn that, and then deal with the corruption. You just have to feel for her. Now, do you think that the corruption has changed from when you were a child to now, or do you think it's always been corrupt there? It's always been corrupt. Always, okay. And you know what, and the, the, what happens is that 
I understand people who trust, for example, this president that is right now. You know, I know when I was in Mexico, he tried three times to become a president. And and you know what? How he, he won this time? Because he bought, like literally, he bought like some kind of... Um, he bought corn and he bought a lot of um, food and everything to give it to to people, especially to the people who don't have enough to live. And they voted for him. I know that it sounds like in a movie, but okay, if you vote for me, I'm going to give you all of this corn or I'm going to give you all of these tortillas. I'm going to give you because, you know, there are a lot of uh, needs in Mexico. There's, there are many people who are just living below the the, the normal standard, right? It's not right. even like not in even poverty like in, in yeah. Canada. There's a lot of poverty, and it's easy. It's easy to convince people, uh, even though maybe they don't want to vote for that person. But you know, well, he's going to give me this, and it's like that. So, as a child, even growing up, are you sort of taught to be wary of the police, or? Are you taught that the police are good? My my parents always told me, you have to be careful. And what and what what can you say to people that are listening that are maybe going through something similar with a government in another country if they had a family member murdered? Do you have any sort of advice you can give them? You know, I think one would be just to just to know your rights, just to know like what you can do. And in me, in my case, I was so desperate for to get justice for my sister in that moment, and I allowed myself to feel intimidated. And then I went and hired this lawyer, which supposedly was a like a good firm, law firm. And look what happened in the end. This law firm ha- uh, fired this lawyer, but you know they didn't. They didn't help me, and I said, "Well, I pay you guys, so you could do your job." And said, "You, you fire this guy." I said, "But who's going to continue the investigation? Who's going to give me the, you know, give me results for my sister?" And and they just watch, wash their hands of this. They didn't care. You know, you you have to get surrounded by people who, I don't know, who you trust, so they can guide you. Monica is struggling along day by day, working hard at her job, and then working to try and still sort things out in regards to her sister's murder. And is there anything else you'd like to tell us about today? All of this time, I really wanted that someone could, could hear this, this story, uh, other than my beautiful friends, who I really appreciate their support, and, and then this support group, Victims of Homicide. But you know, I I wanted to to I I have wanted to tell my sister's story because you know perhaps many many people have forgotten about her, but not me. I will never ever forget about my little sister, and, and I really really appreciate this opportunity because then there will be some other people who will hear and and they will understand. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. You take care. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm not quite sure how people move on after a tragedy. 
There are support groups online and face-to-face, and there are books and family and friends to lean on. But in reality, when someone loses a loved one to murder, they lose a piece of themselves that can never be returned. Memories are all that are left. So talk about your loved one and let the world know how important they will be to you forever. These memories become valuable treasures. No one will ever understand your pain, but surround yourself with those that can understand how important it is for you to share your story. I will now light a candle for the victim and their loved ones, ensuring their memory lives on and burns brightly. You are remembered. I want to take a moment and extend my most sincere and humble gratitude to each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, or if you would like your voice to be heard on Morning the Murdered and tell the story of your loved one, email me at morningthemurdered at gmail.com. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-T-H-E-M-U-R-D-E-R-E-D at gmail.com. Thank you to Dennis for editing this podcast. You are absolutely indispensable. Thank you so much. A huge shout out to Patrick for creating the original music that you hear. And the artwork for this podcast was created by Talia with support from Matt and Mick. Thanks so much, guys.